want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 John. Today we just have um, a handful of verses, three verses in chapter 2. So 1 John 2, verses 12, 13, and 14. We're going to read those in just a minute. As we think about following Jesus, that's kind of the, the overarching theme or, or lens that we're reading this letter through. What does it look like to follow Jesus? We need to know who he is and how we begin to follow him with our, our daily lives, our practical choices. One of the things that we need along the way is to be challenged, to be you know, sort of encouraged to, to see where we need to grow in that obedience, in that discipleship. One of the things we also need is encouragement to keep us going. For the last uh, 10 months, I was fortunate enough to be part of a kind of leadership and discipleship cohort uh, with leaders and, and people in ministry from all over the U.S. There were, there were six of us that met together on Zoom every week for the past 10 months. Every Thursday afternoon, I would, I would have 90 minutes to connect um, with these, these other folks. And our, our facilitator, Christy, really helped us in those 10 months to to, to grow and to challenge us to be reformed in our hearts, to be reformed in our desires, so that we could think about what it looks like for, act, for us to actually know and follow Jesus with our whole lives. And every week we would have a chance to, to bring that out and to share things with one another. And it, it was a challenging 10 months. Um, I was grateful for the ways people spoke into my life and invited me to share what was happening at a heart level to be vulnerable, to identify the areas where God may be sort of pushing in and, and inviting me to take a next step. But along with the, the challenge of that process, it was also deeply rewarding work because I, I saw the Lord grow me and, and lead me in new ways. And so over the course of those past 10 months, that, that group of six friends became close, almost like a little family together even though we were in different parts of the U.S. And this, uh, not this past week, two weeks ago was the last time we met. That, that course, that cohort came to an end. But for the last 90 minutes we were together, we took the entirety of that time simply to share encouragement, affirmation of where we saw the Lord at work in one another's lives over the past 10 months. And that was such a, a deeply filling time just to hear both where people saw the Lord working in my life and naming that and affirming it and encouraging me, but also to, to get to, to be part of that process in the lives of other people and to reflect on that. And, and that was just such a, a deeply upbuilding and edifying time. I left that, that Thursday afternoon just feeling so blessed and, and grateful for how the Lord works through community, through sharing our lives with each other. But it made me realize, again, how important it is that we don't just challenge one another, but that we also take time to celebrate where we see God having done good work in our lives. That, that, that keeps us going. It keeps sort of refueling our desire to continue that hard work of discipleship. Right? Jesus talks about following him being on a narrow path. It's, it's a long obedience in the same direction. And we need 
to send sometimes. We need to, to look back with the help of others and see where the Lord has brought us from. We need to be encouraged to know who we are as followers of Jesus. In our study of 1 John over the past month, I feel like there has been ample challenge in John's words to us. He's put before us some, some pretty difficult things that, that are necessary in following Jesus with our whole lives. He's challenged us to be honest about the power of sin in our lives. Challenged us to, to be vulnerable about that. He's challenged us to live as Jesus lives and to love as Jesus loves. And any of us who've, who've tried to take those challenges to heart started to, to apply those things into everyday lives and relationships, you know how difficult that work is. It exposes our sin. It exposes our pride. Working and, and loving others and following Jesus right, is, is humbling, and it reveals how much we need his help. But today, as we look at these three verses, I think John shifts his tone for, for a moment. And he takes that time to stop and to, to provide encouragement and, and, and an upbuilding. He takes time to help name who we are as followers of Jesus, what we can count on as being true about us. And he does that in in a way that he names the kind of whole family of God together, but he singles out each group to encourage us. So as we read this together, let me, let me pray that you specifically would be encouraged, but that the net effect would be that we would all be mutually encouraging one another as one spiritual family. Let me pray as we read through this passage together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your call to follow you doesn't leave us where we are. You don't just say you are loved, so remain in your sin, remain immature, remain in the darkness. Lord, you, you call us into the light, you call us into obedience, you call us to grow in our love so that we might be like you in every respect. Thank you that throughout that growth process, throughout this journey, there are truths we can come back to again and again. There are things you have placed in us and placed in the, the body of Christ that we can count on. And I just I pray we would hear those encouragements today at a heart level. I pray that the words of my mouth as I teach the meditations of, of each one who listens would be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is 1 John 12, 13, sorry, chapter 2, verses 12, 13, and 14. John says, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, 
because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. And I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. So three verses of encouragement for what I would think of as, as the generations of God's family. And John has taken great care. These are probably the most sort of carefully crafted or poetic passages in this entire letter, this entire book. John employs symmetry. He employs repetition. He, he carefully chooses words and, and, and descriptions here. And he chooses titles to describe the sort of extended generations or, or, or spiritual family to which each of us belong. Now, I know the terms, most of the terms John uses here are masculine in nature. He refers to young men and to fathers. But, but I read these words as John's charge or his, his encouragement to the whole family, the whole body of Christ. They are a, a rhetorical device he's using to describe the stages of the Christian life. From birth into Jesus, into, into that, that next stage of, of youth, and then into adulthood, into leadership and, and spiritual maturity. Whether we're male or female, John is describing and encouraging what we can know to be true about our lives in Jesus Christ. The whole family is addressed here. Each, each of these three verses are structured in the same way. If you'll notice, he begins by saying, I write to you, and he names a particular group. I write to you children. I write to you fathers. I write to you young men. And then he says, because dot, dot, dot. All right, he, he supplies an explanation why he's writing to each group. And what, what follows in the dot, dot, dot is a particular affirmation of something that is true about who they are. And I want us to think about those affirmations as we come into each one of them in two ways. One, I think they are naming something that is already true about believers in Jesus Christ. I write to you because this is who you are. You can count on this. You can come back to this. You can trust this as an expression of who you already are. But I think there's also a way in which John is saying, I want, I want to encourage you in this because it's also who you are meant to continue becoming. That there's a way that you grow into these things more fully. A way that you need to keep returning to these things as you follow Jesus forward. And so I want to take some time briefly to look at, at each of these three groups in turn. Verse 12, and then again in verse 14, John addresses what he calls children. Dear children. And the particular encouragement he has for, for the children in the family of God is to remember that your sins have been forgiven on account of the name of Jesus. 
John says, know that because of who Jesus is, on account of, of, of his name, through his name, through his besidedness. Remember, we talked about him being a, a paraclete, the one who comes alongside and advocates for us and knows us and atones for us. Because of him, your sins have been forgiven. So I want you to know that at the very beginning of the Christian life is this truth, that you are a forgiven people. Not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is and how he has come alongside you. How he has entered your story. And so all of us, no matter if we're 30 years old or 3 years old, 60 years old, we come into, we begin this relationship following Jesus by believing this about who we are. By believing we are a forgiven people. I can remember as a young teen, I'd grown up in, in a church, not dissimilar from this one, but at, at an early stage in my adolescence, I was wrestling with guilt and with shame and with a sense of, of self-condemnation. And, and the first time that I think my faith really came alive, that I became desirous of, of following Jesus and knowing more about Jesus, is when I heard that Jesus knew all that stuff about me. He knew what was in my heart, and yet he, he loved me. He desired to know me and to walk alongside me. When I heard that invitation that I didn't have to figure out a way to manage all the shame and the guilt and the sin that I was wrestling with as a young person, but I could step into the light and I could surrender that stuff. As John says here in verse 14, that's an invitation to know that our sins are forgiven and that we are children who have God as our Father. We know God in that way, and he knows us, and we belong to him. Right, that's, that's the first life stage in following Jesus, is to believe this deeply. It's the beginning of the gospel of good news. We are a forgiven people. But now, 30 years after that point in my life, it still remains a core piece of my identity. It still remains a core thing that I need to know about who I am as I follow Jesus. I still need to know that I am forgiven on account of his name. And I need to know that personally at my own heart level, but it actually changes the way I follow Jesus and the way I pursue discipleship if I believe this. Because if I believe I'm forgiven, then, then maybe I'll continue to choose risking loving other people who are imperfect and who will also need to be forgiven. If I know that I am forgiven, maybe I'll, I'll choose to risk being vulnerable in relationships with my brothers and sisters. Risk exposing my own inadequacies, my own immaturities, right? Which will inevitably de be displayed if I, if I try to walk with you as my brother or sister. I am not perfect. I am not fully mature in the way that Jesus is mature in love. But if I believe that I am a forgiven child of God, I have the courage to walk that out and live that out with all of you. Right? Jesus' ministry of forgiveness is not something we only need for that moment of conversion. It's something that we need for the long haul. It's something we need to keep walking with Jesus. 
So let me ask, how willing are you to receive this encouragement yourself? How readily, when you have failed in the past few weeks, when you have sinned in the past few weeks, when your pride has been exposed in some way, how readily do you believe that God is there to forgive you? Or do, is, there, is there still part of you that assumes God withholds himself until you make it right, until you figure it out, until you make up for that thing? Or do you know, like we heard at the beginning of chapter 2, that Jesus is there. He's calling us into the light to be our advocate, to stand beside us, to atone for us, to draw us into fellowship with he and the Father, to extend his, his mercy over us, to enfold us under his wing. John says, I am writing to you, my dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Be encouraged. This is who you are. This is where we begin in the faith, and it's where we must continue. But if we move, we move on from, from that first generation of children identified by John in our spiritual family, then in verse 13, he moves kind of to the other end of the genera- generational spectrum. He speaks to fathers in the family of faith. And in using this term, I think John envisions those who have been following Jesus for, for a long season. New Testament scholar Karen Jobes understands this term to mean, quote, those who are older in the Christian faith, those who are mature enough to be training others in the art of Christian living. Right? Our fathers are, are members of a spiritual family who have lived experience, who have testimony, who have wisdom about what it's like not just to begin following Jesus, but to keep choosing, to keep following, to keep making that habit day after day after day. They are, they are our spiritual mothers and fathers that walk beside us. John Stott says they are those who have progressed into a deep communion with God. So that, that in a sense they are already consciously living into eternity, even in this present life. Right? From that deep place of fellowship over many years. And unfortunately, our our modern tendency, our modern preference is to ignore the old, the elder. Right? We see it as as irrelevant or unfashionable. We're captivated by the the zeal and the energy of of youth. But we do ourselves, I think, a great disservice if, if we neglect the gift God has given us in providing us mothers and fathers, elders in the faith. Because John says, this is what I want you to know about fathers. He says, you know him who is from the very beginning. What does that mean? Well, that phrase is important to John, right? The one who is from the beginning. Think about the gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. Right In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Right? And then that word takes on flesh and comes into the world through the person of Jesus Christ to show us 
the glory of, of God, to reveal to us the heart of God the Father for his people, the one who was in the beginning. You know this one, John says. Think about the beginning of this book, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. John begins, that which was from the beginning, right? The one that we have seen, the one we've heard, the one we have touched. I want to tell you about this one. Because he's the living word of God, right? He's, he's the source of all creation. He's the, the, the purpose and the meaning behind all things. He's the one who holds all of this stuff together. John says, those of you who are your spiritual mothers and fathers in this church family, they know that one. They have walked with him who is from the beginning for years and decades. They have developed a relationship, a lived knowledge of this one. What a gift that these men and women are to our church. Right? In order for us to, to grow from children into maturity, we need people who will walk before us, people who will walk alongside us for months and for years and for decades, right, to help us know the one who is from the beginning in the way that they do. Church planner Mike Breen says, discipleship requires people who let us stand at their shoulder and people who give us access to their lives over the long haul. Right, I need those people. You need those people. We need Fathers, we need mothers in the faith. Three years ago, I was able, you were able to send me on a trip to China with, with several other pastors and leaders. And while we were there that, that summer, we were able to meet several uh, Chinese house church pastors. And one afternoon, we spent some time with uh, a man named Pastor Zhu, Brother Zhu. And he had been persecuted. He had actually just recently been arrested and jailed and, and released again. He, he was a father to, to many other pastors in the house church movement in that region of China for, for three, almost four decades. But we asked him, someone in their group asked him, what, what enabled him to have that kind of endurance right, through difficulty, through persecution, and he, he, the first thing he said is that he has had an older brother. He has had a church father. He was mentored by another pastor, not for two or three years, for three decades. He met with one other pastor who was a generation before him. And he submitted to him, and he learned from him. And he said, there were times where I was impatient. I was anxious to lead on my own, to have my own way, to do my own thing. But he said, anything of consequence I've learned about being a leader, about being a pastor, about leading others, he said, I've learned by following, by learning how to follow others who've come before me, right? Following others who know him who is from the beginning. So if you're one of those mothers or fathers, one of those elders in this church family, John wants to remember, wants, wants to encourage and, and help you remember who you are. He wants to encourage you. That you know the one who is from the beginning, and you are known by the one who is from the beginning. And we need you as part of this body. We need to stand at your shoulder. We need access to your lives. 
We need to be blessed by you and encouraged by you. And, and we need you to remain close to him so that you don't burn out, so that you don't give up, so that you can build up this family. John says, children, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven on account of his name. Fathers, be encouraged. You know the one who is from the beginning. And then third, John writes to the, the generational group in between those two. What the NIV translates as young men. And again, if children represent maybe the, the beginning stages, those first steps of following Jesus, and fathers, in John's language, signify the, the elders that anchor us, this last group is somewhere in between in our, in our spiritual family and, and stage of life. The actual noun John chooses here would typically refer to a young man between the ages of probably 20 and 40. Someone we might think of as in the prime of life. Someone who's in the thick of things. Someone in, in that particular generation, they're making significant life choices. They're working. They're sharing their lives with others. They're, they're building and contributing to things at a great level. And they're probably sort of as much or more in the world and out there doing stuff day to day, being challenged in their life of discipleship as, as anyone, as any of the other generations. And so I think John wants to encourage them in the challenge that they face, in the testing they may face, in the pressures that they may face at that life stage. And he wants to encourage them on actually three fronts, three three exhortations he gives them here. He says, I want you to know that you are strong. I want you to know that the word of God dwells in you and that from that indwelling strength, you have already overcome the evil one. And just comment briefly on each of those three things. John says, be encouraged for you are strong. In your youth, you are strong. Commentator Gary Burge says, if elders are, are the anchor of the family of faith, he says, it's youth, men and women alike, are those who are engaging in the battles of living the faith amidst the struggles of the world. And he says, their knowledge of God often brings a zeal that's sometimes waning among the more mature of the faith. Right? They have vitality strength, they have energy, they're, they're in the mix of things. And so the church needs to recognize that gift, needs to recognize the outpouring, needs to, to recognize what season of life these believers are in and come around them and, and give thanks for them and encourage them and let their zeal, let their energy be a gift and a boon to the church. Be encouraged because you are strong be encouraged because the word of God lives in you, dwells in you, John says. There's there a lot of encouragement from Ben and Sarah, and Sarah in particular sharing this morning about the power of the word of God dwelling in us and building us up day after day. All right, John wants, wants those who are in the prime of life, who are out there right, raising families, working hard, giving their lives, pouring their lives out in ministry and in relationship. 
and in, in face-to-face with our culture and discerning what it looks like to follow Jesus faithfully in this age. Right? He wants them to know that Jesus makes his home in them. He dwells in them. Right? His promises, his truth, right, supply strength to them. And to, to keep coming back to that word. That it's already in them. It is the source of their strength. And finally, he says to them, I want you to know, I want you to be encouraged that you have already overcome the evil one. John wants them to know that in the midst of that busyness, that frenetic season of life, that might feel like a battle one day or a struggle or a long race, John wants them to know that the result is not in question. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness cannot overcome it. He who dwells in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Because the word of God lives in you, because you are strong and mighty in that strength, then you have already overcome the evil one, John says. And so be encouraged. I want to I w- I leave us there. I want to encourage you. There are some practical ways you can unpack this with each other this week if you grab those blue cards. But because this is a passage written to the whole spiritual family, I want, I want you to think about how we belong to each other and how we encourage each other in these ways as we come to the Lord's table. 